Welcome to the Thrive in the Workplace podcast brought to you by The Wellness Theory in partnership with B1G1 Business for Good. This podcast is all about uplifting organisations to thrive when it comes to all things workplace wellbeing. From organisational culture, the most effective wellness campaigns you can imagine and integrating social good, you will find insights, inspiration and information that supports leaders at all levels to implement best practices to improve engagement, performance and vitality within the workforce. We believe that workplaces can and should be healthy and sustainable for both the workforce, the bottom line and the community. And in this podcast, we'll show you how. And just so you know, for every listen this podcast gets, we'll be donating to a life-saving project aligned with the UN 2030 Global Goals. So thank you for being here and continuing the ripple effect. Without further ado, join us to thrive in the workplace and become a force for good in the world. Welcome to today's show, everyone. I'm your host, Charlotte Stebbing-Mills, and today I'm joined by Lizzie Butcher. After 10 plus years of working in corporate travel technology startups, Lizzie became an ICF accredited transformational coach in 2020. She's based in the Middle East, and she works with companies to deliver workshops and trainings on enhancing emotional resilience, stress management, and effective decision-making. Lizzie specializes in working with professional women to help them build self-assurance and confidence in the workplace through mastering their emotions. Welcome to the show, Lizzie. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much, Charlotte. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to jump into this conversation with you because you focus on a very specific group of people within the work that you do. So before we jump into that, can you share a little bit about your journey transitioning from kind of corporate career in travel tech to becoming a transformational coach? You know, what inspired the shift and how did all of this come about? Interesting. Okay, let's go straight into it. So yeah, my background is in travel tech. So I relocated to the Middle East initially from London um, five years ago now. And yeah, and then I moved into coaching about two and a half, three years ago. And the journey from that, I think when you look back, it's obvious, like the dots really always connect. But at the time, there was this, there was this kind of space and gap and something I wanted more from my life, from my job. Like, yes, I was enjoying the corporate side, but I retrained in coaching during COVID. So I still had my kind of full-term job. And it was that instant knowing this fire in the belly, belly feeling of this is it. This is what I'm here to do and that passion. And, and quickly progressed into coaching within the company itself and then I soon realized that that still wasn't it that still wasn't enough for me so I launched my business soon after that and how it's kind of evolved into the focus that I do now so my focus is is around leaders is around both people moving into leadership or new new leaders or even kind of been there for a few years um, and understanding how emotions emotional regulation emotional intelligence all plays such a key part in in your happiness and in your success in that position and the reason why I have chosen that kind of niche and that speciality to focus on is so much through my own experience and let's just go straight into it of like confessions of um confessions of corporate life of things that I have kind of moved through myself but as specifically as a female in, to be honest, it was quite like a, a male dominated industry um, in, in the travel tech space. I quite honestly didn't really use my voice as much as I could have or wanted to. I guess on the surface, there was a level of confidence. I was in sales, I had that charisma, I could build the relationships. However, to fulfill my potential, I was holding myself back and that was through a lot of fear and kind of lack of worth in myself. So that played out of avoiding confrontation, avoiding conflicts or the opposite, whenever that kind of came up, feeling overwhelmed. So big emotions coming up and that physically came out of me as as tears. Um, And that kind of process was so frustrating to 
feel really helpless in those moments and feel like it was just happening to me that the emotions were just happening to me I didn't have the control there Mm -hmm. however what I have since learned in my journey and both through like coaching but I guess other practices is the control comes from me like I if I take that responsibility and if I take that power back then I have an influence of first of all what I even think let alone how I act but then of course how I can show up in those situations so to then be a leader both now in the coaching space but previously in in the travel tech space like that had to come from me it had to come from saying I don't want to act like this anymore and what can I do about it and learning both like the tools and the kind of practical ways but equally moving through that moving through like the self-reflection and breaking down the steps to find out the trigger of being like okay why am I avoiding the confrontation it's not just pointing the finger and placing the blame on my manager or the the workload or the environment it's like who who am I in that space um so yeah so the passion that comes from the work that I do is really from like first-hand experience and now allowing myself to support others support other leaders um to navigate that to really claim back that power and just feel comfortable in those situations that they once feared is is really what drives me I love that so much and thank you so much for sharing your personal experience in there as well because I think that's so important and it doesn't get spoken about enough um, and yeah. especially to you I was in a very male-dominated industry and that mm-hmm. Can, can really have a, an imprint on females mm-hmm. in those male-dominant in- industries. And, and for me, yeah. I, I experienced a similar thing early in my career with um, the confrontation, like bursting mm-hmm. into news, not being able to say what I wanted to say. It was anxiety coming up for me. That was in like the really, really early days of my career though. And then I went yeah. the other way uh, and almost like just didn't show my emotions as much as I possibly could throughout well really all areas of my life in hindsight but um actually in the workspace I would not dare to show my emotion unless it got on top I then couldn't help to show my emotion right so Mm. it I understand like why you've moved into this and and clearly um you know I think you just answered my next question which was going to be like why have you chosen this group specifically particularly women Mm -hmm. And like confidence and self-assurance, because I find that so Mm -hmm. fascinating because there's so many women um, globally, but I think particularly in this region who are dropping out Mm -hmm. of senior positions because they are struggling with these kinds of um, issues Um, alongside, you know, wanting to start families and different pressures Mm -hmm. and responsibilities and things like that play a part but I think when we kind of drill back and look behind the surface, you know, our ability to be ourselves, speak up, say what's bothering us, to be assertive when you need to be, and to really mm. be able to use your voice, like you said, like mm. it's becoming a bit of a lost art. So tell us a little bit more about, about that and why you've like, like dived into confidence and self-assurance over pretty much anything else. Mm. Absolutely. And yeah, there's a few things that I kind of picked up on what you shared there about going the other end of the scale of, of not showing emotion. For me, I positivity was was this key of putting this face on putting that smile suppressing everything else as that was almost quite honestly still kind of is seen as the go-to reaction you have to be optimistic you have to be positive in these situations to to be able to lead and, and move forward and a lot of emotions are deemed as or like bracketed and negative and bad and you shouldn't show them so whether that be anger or or fear or distress, like all of these kind of uncomfortable feelings are just pushed away. Um, So I can definitely relate with that positivity um, kind of front that I used. And what I've since used now is every emotion is purely a signal and it's information and it's coming up for a reason. And if you kind of lower that, pressure and intensity of of what it what it's trying to mean or trying to show you like take away the story that you initially associate with anger being like oh it's really negative it's really bad like just let it be 
how is that manifesting in your body? How is that showing up? And what, and what do you need from that? Maybe you just need a bit more air and space and, and move yourself away from that situation. But I say, in coming back to your question around, around confidence, it really doesn't link into that because for me, what I define confidence is, is actually being able to navigate the discomfort because we're never just automatically confident. We don't wait until we're, okay, I'm really confident at doing this said thing. I'm really confident in driving a car now. I'm just going to go drive. No, you have to go through the steps and process of, of the discomfort of first getting in the car and learning where the positions are and first going out on the road it's going to feel uncomfortable but you have to build up that evidence for your brain to know you're safe and you are okay and taking those steps slowly slowly and that for me is what confident is it's it's a journey and it's having the ability to yeah manage those un uncomfortable emotions through that process is is where your power lies because once you understand that you can feel that discomfort and it's okay and it's okay to whatever kind of comes up in that moment once you learn that practice perhaps in a in a smaller example so if you're I don't know pushing back and saying to a friend you're like actually I'm exhausted this week and can we rearrange or I just need some time for myself rather than seeing you this weekend and explaining that um, how you can learn that process and then applying it into something within the workplace that perhaps has a bit more kind of, yeah, a bit more about it that you can apply the same technique across. Yeah, I think it's so interesting the way you link the confidence to emotional regulation, right? Because anybody in a yeah. work setting, you know, they're trying to juggle their competence of their skill set, mm -hmm. right? They're constantly trying to do better and to they say do better, but they're trying to fulfill their their job role, right? Yeah. And most of the time, you know, high performers, those that are striving to lead at higher levels, are always pushing mm -hmm. those boundaries, right? So they are trying mm -hmm. to do better go the extra mile they're trying to squeeze everything they can out of the day out of the projects that they're working on out of their life and absolutely everything and if we don't recognize a link between emotional regulation and confidence it's very easy yeah. to then completely lose track of who it is we are within that mm. work environment the amount of leaders i speak to that genuinely say to me I don't know who I am anymore like outside of work I don't know who I am their identity is completely linked to that job role um or to that organization and mm -hmm. that is um, a scary place to be um mm -hmm. and it's something that if we don't address the emotions that are going on behind it it becomes a very very detrimental dialogue where we start to you know drop levels of self-esteem we start to notice imposter syndrome kicking in you know you start to notice so many things but instead of seeing them for what they are because there's so much emotional charge present it then becomes mm -hmm. it's me that's the problem I'm bad I can't leave I'm not I'm I'm letting my team down I'm letting the, the stakeholders down and it becomes mm -hmm. this almost like personal attack on self and actually mm -hmm. when we can start to regulate those emotions I think well actually we remove the charge and now you can see it for what it is. Okay. Give me the, give mm. me the fact of the situation and let's start to work on what's actually happening there. And um, mm -hmm. so I'm fascinated to understand more around the work you do around emotional regulation, particularly for women that are experiencing these kind of problems in the workplace and men, mm -hmm. men experience it too. We're just obviously talking about women. Yeah. In background. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Just to kind of pick up on one thing that you mentioned right at the end there of, of, what is the fact and I think that's what we quickly forget to question and how I love to incorporate this with uh, the women that I work with is connecting the mind into the body and it's a constant feedback loop because our emotions are essentially I say it's made up of three um, kind of areas how their emotions are created the first is around body budget so what I mean by body budget is how you are. If you think of yourself as a battery, a full of a green light battery, when you're going lower, like what are those compartments? That's going to be good nutrition, good sleep, good exercise and movement, good hydration. 
it's the basics and it's the foundations that we know. So questioning I kind of first where your body budget level is when you're experiencing the emotion, it's kind of, it just gives you a bit more information of being like, hmm, I'm probably a bit tired today. So my brain's gonna be working harder to understand this situation. That's the first point. The second is your um, interpretation of this current situation in front of us. So our brain is programmed to do the quickest kind of interpretation possible. It's using previous information and it wants to keep you safe. So if something is on fire, you're going to immediately say alert, run away, get the hell out of there. However, sometimes that situation needs to be questioned of, of what the actual fact is, just like you're saying there. So we can't just immediately predict that it's the worst situation. Um, and then finally is um, the third part is, is the prediction. So your brain's predicting how to experience this emotion. So for example, if you are experiencing anxiety from being questioned on an email or questioned on your work, being like, why has this not been done at this time? This is because you've experienced anxiety and that reaction previously. However, this is where your kind of power lies and it's breaking down that sequence of events. So just because the emotion is coming up, it doesn't necessarily mean that the level of emotion or reaction needs to um, be equivalent to that. So when in that situation, when you're saying, okay, I feel really anxious, just pausing and questioning, okay, but what is the reality of this situation? Am I, am I in danger? Uh, is this person actually trying to support me with this, with this questioning? And what's their intention there? And just breaking it down. And quite honestly, the pause is the biggest power in that moment. But coming back to that feedback loop of both your mind and your body, Anxiety, if we keep on the theme of anxiety there, anxiety is an individual experience, but I'll just say how it feels for me. For me, it's, it's a tense stomach. My heart might race. My palms might get sweaty. And I notice that and my body's saying, oh my gosh, we're feeling anxiety. I need to create a story in my head that correlates to that. However, if we pause and separate the two and say, okay, what are these sensations that are happening in my body? I'm feeling my heart race, I'm feeling my stomach tense. What can I do about that? I can place my hand on my heart. I can focus my breathing. I can slow my breathing down. I have control over that. I, I can create that time and that space and move through that sensation within my body. So once my body feels a different way and in a, a more calmer state, what is my mind then allowed to create from that story? Then you think so, so much clearer and you can quite honestly make decisions and communicate. And that's how it really plays out into, into the workplace. The, in that you, if you bring your focus into what you can control, whether it's questioning the reality of the facts in your mind or navigating your sensations within your body and just, having that understanding that the both the two are kind of working together, whether it's positively or negatively, you have influence. And then the actions that come out of that are, yeah, having, having a clearer mind and, and communicating um, with presence. So what do you say to someone that's listening to this and is saying, okay, Lizzie, that all sounds great. I get it. My, my, <laughs> to my feelings and, you know, mm -hmm. I need to pay a bit more attention and pause, but then they're thinking, but I'm too busy for this. You know, my my day is packed. My phone is constant. I've got 300 emails. I've got 500 WhatsApps. I've got a team that are like bashing on my door, trying to get my attention for what it is they need. And I've also got all of these projects that I need to be working on. What do you say to somebody mm. who's living in that level of pressure? Mm. And first of all, it's very, very common. And I think especially in the in the Middle East and I've been worked in, working in Dubai, it's it's almost the norm and it's that it's this constant I would say rat race but it's this it's this chase for more and it's quite easy to get lost in that so first having that acknowledgement that that it's okay that it's it's not just you that is facing that but coming back to what you as a person can do and it's starting really really small it's not saying okay I'm gonna 
revolutionize my routine and start everything from scratch on Monday morning. You've got to set yourself up for success because essentially you have created patterns of behavior that are working for you or have been working for you. And it's only to this point now where it's starting to feel too much and it's impacting you on a greater level, whether that be your performance at work or your relationships at home with your partner or your kids or even your health, how that's showing up. That's the first indicator of being like, okay, something needs to change. So having that awareness and owning it and just saying, actually, I don't want to continue living this way. That is, that's an amazing place to be in. So from that, it's taking those tiny, tiny little steps. And it's interesting. So I led, I led a workshop um, just last week with a group of 20 women, all incredibly high performing, achieving in the roles that they do. And the most powerful takeaway that happened in that three hour session was a five minute pause meditation visualization. And that was simply closing down their eyes. I just talked them through a kind of vision for the next like three months and how they are gonna wanting to lean into their feelings and what they want to show up as and the values that they want to be embodying. But really it was just the pause and the space to start to acknowledge what your thoughts are and time to slow them down and break that down. And I often teach a lot of breathing techniques with um, the clients that I work with. And I think even that has perhaps a certain stigma, a certain kind of presence about it around like breath work and breathing being like okay it's either one end of the scale like yeah I breathe every day that's fine or the other end of the scale of like that's really woo woo like breath work that's not for me but what about that place in the middle where it is as simple as a couple of practices that are your go-to things to to break that kind of um pattern in the middle of the day as kind of breathing in for four holding for seven and breathing out for eight or three deep inhales and a really big release and exhale so you can like hear your hear your voice hear your kind of breath coming out and that's a simple technique you can start to implement within your day just to reset so rather than getting on that roller coaster and constantly creeping and creeping to the top so you're gonna blow when that next kind of disagreement happens in the workplace like how can you how can you stop that? How can you pause? And it is as simple as a breathing exercise, a pause, or acknowledging what you're feeling, I think would be the final thing is starting to kind of um, associate language and name what you're actually feeling. So there's a, there's a beautiful thing, um, you can just Google it, it's called the emotions wheel. And it's, I don't know how many emotions are on there, like a good couple of hundred or so. But a lot of um, the language and words that we use might not actually get down to the the crux of really what we're feeling. So we're saying, oh, yeah, I'm really happy today or actually I'm really quite sad and feeling a bit low. Going a bit deeper with that and understanding the language that can help you understand what it is you're feeling. So if you're feeling a bit low, why is that? Is it disappointment from something that's happened or is it actually upset or or fear there's there's other words and actually just yourself using that language and using that power to understand what you're feeling in that moment because really like I said at the beginning the emotions are the information there they're signals that are indicated to help you understand what do you need in this moment so if you're feeling disappointed perhaps you just need to give yourself some compassion of saying like actually this is a really challenging period of time and I need to go easy on myself I don't actually need to take more action and do 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 it's actually the opposite slow it down um and move through that amazing so there's a few things in there that I think are really important to highlight. <laughs> yeah. right? the yeah. first one being the pause that you mentioned right because yeah. telling a busy person to breathe mm. sleep better <laughs> you know look after that um body battery you know that that yeah. can be a little bit like frustrating I know at times it mm-hmm. used to be for me for sure until I was brought in on yeah. um however when we look at the highest performers when we look at your 
NBA superstar basketball players, when we look at your Formula One drivers, you know, they are consciously making time to pause, to rest, to make mm-hmm. strategic decisions, to be able to make fast decisions whilst they can take a millisecond of a pause that's going to change the tra- tra- trajectory of the results they're going to get. And yeah. like, if he's good enough for them, it's good enough for the CEO at the helm of a thousand employees. You know, it's 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 something that has been proven over and over and over again in so many other fields that sometimes we forget to pay attention to that in our day-to-day life, almost as if that's okay for them. It's not, okay. it's not, it's not for me, it's for them. Mm-hmm. But actually that pause, it, it helps to, to regulate by bringing our nervous system back into a state where it can actually be resourceful, right? Because mm-hmm. if you've got all of these emotions, like you've just described, hundreds of emotions, like potential of hundreds of emotions, um, and us usually having a cocktail of lots of those happening in our system every single day, that starts mm-hmm. to push our nervous system out of rhythm a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. If we end up in those hyper-aroused states and we are go 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 all the time and do 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 all of the time and it's coming from a place that isn't sustainable that's how we end up burning out and if we're ignoring the emotions we experience a lot of emotional burnout as well as physical burnout because there's many different types i think that also gets overlooked but that's a podcast for another day for um <laughs> and so then sometimes the opposite happens right which is where we we're in those go 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 states and then suddenly we crash right and you mm-hmm. can't concentrate when you're trying to do what it is you're doing or you need that holiday you become desperate for it or you end mm-hmm. up short-tempered with the people around you and that is a clear clear sign that something is is out of balance right and there's a dysregulation mm-hmm. so if we do that over a prolonged period of time it becomes a lot harder to then label those emotions that you mm-hmm. just described and we become so far removed from what I'm actually feeling versus what now I am used to feeling just because we're used to going at that kind of high intense pace doesn't mean that that's the healthiest right or Mm -hmm. even most resourceful so on your point of taking a pause I think sometimes we have to take a step back to be able to take a step forward right or just take Mm -hmm. a moment to be a be a springboard and to set you off even faster like when you pull back a rubber band right and mm. sudden it will go a million times further than if you just like threw it and yeah. you have to start to entertain these ideas if we want to see change right and and lasting change because nobody mm. wants a superstar in in their role for like a month or a year or two years right they want to be in mm-hmm. it for the career they want to be in it for the long haul you know and mm. i think sometimes it's too easy to see the instant gratification rather than see okay actually if i'm thinking better if i'm feeling better then actually i'll be able to go so much further and have a bigger impact whatever that looks like for the individual on their family on their workplace on their colleagues and everything else Mm. the second piece of what you said Mm -hmm. around um labeling emotions this gets overlooked massively i think Mm. um and and I'm definitely guilty of this. Somebody says, how are you? I'm busy, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm really busy, right? And, and then right. I'm good. exactly, that's like the go-to phrase, particularly in this region, right? Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we don't look behind the, the curtain to say, okay, well, well what, what else? Like busy is a state, that's not actually an emotion. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about emotions in general. And you've already mentioned the emotion chart, which is amazing. So anybody that's not sure mm-hmm. about what they're feeling, definitely yeah. go out. But is there any other kind of tips or benefits to labeling the emotions that you think our listeners need to be aware of? Mm. Another way that I like to approach emotions or kind of define them is breaking it down to emotions, emotion, energy in motion, and just simplifying it in that sense in that, like I was saying earlier, like to separate the emotion or the sensation that's being experienced from the story and simply knowing that it's energy, it is something that is going to come and is going to pass. And it's our choice um, in what we kind of, hold on to and 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 um choose to feel and 
again, I totally understand they're like, okay, I don't want to choose to feel this way anymore. I don't, I want to avoid this, but the opposite is always the case. And again, coming back to my own kind of personal journey and reflection from that, I, the, the most important things and learnings through life are the things that you're avoiding. And by avoiding them and suppressing them and ignoring them, you hope and you expect for them to disappear. And it's the opposite. They manifest. They subconsciously are influencing how you're acting and how you're showing up. So actually by inviting emotions in, I know that sounds kind of kind of really lame, actually. I'll, I'll bring that down to earth a bit more. Like, how do you invite emotions in? I'd say the same. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> But instead, first, like you say, like of that labeling, of questioning, of and, and that could start of being like, okay, I'm going to start to practice writing down, I am feeling X, Y, Z because of this situation and not trying to change it, not trying to look for a solution instead of being like, okay, well, I feel really uncomfortable. So what should we do? Like, what's the, what's the next step to move out of this? And coming back to that pause but just acknowledging and separating yourself from the feeling by writing it down you can then start to observe and look at your words and acknowledge that this is an experience it's not forever it's coming it's going but it's an experience in the moment to kind of and, and let that go um and from that uh kind of writing down process we can then choose to reframe and redefine so just as you were saying with the badge of honor of busy, like we are, it's our go-to word, our phrase, whether it's busy or you're fine, it's this quick um, kind of phrase. Redefining that is in within your power. So what are the ways are you going to describe? So, okay, your schedule might be packed. You might be really fulfilled this week with everything you're doing. Yes, that could be defined as being busy, but what? how else could you describe that? And shaping that into something that is manageable for you, again, just brings that, back that power. It, it really does. So I have adopted a new word that gives me mm -hmm. a very different feeling when I say it. So instead mm -hmm. of saying I'm busy now, I tend to say life is very full and I'm feeling excited, right, whatever that is. Mm. Um, and as soon as I say life is full, actually, there's just like this stir of gratitude um, rather mm. than this like sense of urgency and busyness. Um, so yeah. that small little ch word change um, can start mm. to make a bit of a difference. Just um, on your comment, like inviting your emotions in does not sound like <laughs> at all. It, <laughs> like, does that sound okay? <laughs> necessary, because if we don't... Yeah. The consequences mm. are, they can be horrendous, right? Yeah. If we do not invite our emotions in and start to pay attention to them, we, like we said at the beginning of this episode, our confidence plummets, right? Mm -hmm. we, the, those emotions stack up. They don't just disappear, right? If we don't think about them, it's not like they just vanish, right? They stack up mm -hmm. and we get to the point, of, like you mentioned earlier, an explosion, whatever that looks mm -hmm. like, right? Whether that's with a loved one, with a colleague, and there's just the, the final cherry on the cake that tips you over the edge, you know, that there, something will happen that will make you suddenly pay attention to your emotions. And most people listening to yeah. this will probably relate to experiencing that at some point anyway. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, is what you said is you've got a choice, Right, we've mm -hmm. got a choice how we then respond to them. So we can choose whether to avoid them and to just put it down to another stressful day or a busy day or the workload or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Or we can choose to sit down and essentially like look, look them in the eye, right? Whether that's writing them down, whether that's talking about them. For a long time, I used to believe that emotions were a call to action. Mm -hmm. And I've since learned that they are a call to wisdom. Emotions are a call to wisdom because sometimes we don't have to act on the feelings that we have. And I think yeah. that's a really, really um, important clarification to make for anybody that feels like they live this fast paced, high performance kind of life, or at least they try to, they try and be better, right? Whatever that is. Yeah. Because not everything needs to be acted upon. If we mm thinking okay well I'm feeling anxious today okay then tomorrow I must wake up and I must do breath work right or um, I'm feeling stressed so I must do this 
And actually, like the most wise thing you can do is just notice the emotion, notice the sensations that are attached to the emotion, obviously, in the body, and then look for what you described as the, like the learning. You know, what can mm. I learn from this? You know, what is this emotion actually here to teach me? Why is this emotion knocking on my door through sweaty palms or through heart palpitations or through tears, right? Or through yeah. being short tempered? You know, that's your emotions knocking on the door, trying to get your attention. So, mm-hmm. like the the lessons that come with it is a massive step in discharging that emotion, so it doesn't continue to repeat itself in the future. Yeah absolutely and that's that's it the it doesn't need to continue to you don't need to continue to react or respond in these certain ways like you everything that is in within your control and it's a difficult kind of place to be I completely resonate with being in that fast-paced environment when everything feels too much and saying I I can't control this but in slowing things down, that's where the power is. And it's interesting. I had a conversation with um, a CEO this week who, how to describe him? He's the most incredible entrepreneur, multiple businesses, many, many people beneath him. And he noticed the impact in how his teams were able to respond and um sort of communicate uh, with him through how he he is being and he noticed the sensation and the fear and the kind of panic that so many of his uh, managers and middle managers were with him when they were communicating they were almost keeping back information unable to receive feedback unable to make decisions for themselves because they sensed um, so much stress from him and he realized how much his own emotional regulation and the, and the importance of that was affecting essentially his whole business and his whole teams and how he was then able to, um, yeah, start to choose and start to redefine certain things that he was feeling about himself and within the team of being like, okay, like, is this the world's biggest problem? Like, is it going to get solved today? Maybe not. Is it okay that it's not going to get solved today? That's it. Yes. And how he was then able to show up, the ripple effects in then how people were starting to communicate with him, how to respond with him, and just the tension in the room just then dissipated. And it's that's what it is. It's it's not just about you. It's not just about your own feelings and, and the thoughts and stories that are going on in your own head, especially as a leader, you are an influence. You are a motivator. People are looking up to you for for trust, for reassurance, for so many other things. And it is your responsibility to first look after yourself and 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 first look after yourself, but also like change those behavioral patterns and responses in order for those around you and the teams beneath you to to really succeed and feel good in what they do because essentially what happened in that situation tension was released happiness was kind of reinstalled confidence was placed in everybody and the output and the work performance then increases that is such an important point the contagion is real right one way or the other you're either going to be in the great example that you just shared or you're going to be having the complete opposite so if anyone's listening to this and they're noticing those patterns within their team first look in the mirror right it's the one right like you said people are looking up there they they are reacting to how you're responding to them um and mm-hmm. if you're doing that mindlessly then 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 you're not going to get the desired results that you want no matter how many disciplinary meetings you have with that employee or how many conversations mm-hmm. you have with that person or the different tactics that you try um it's going to start with that um state of the the leader mm-hmm. with a leader that perhaps is wanting to create that kind of change in their business what are some of the common challenges you face that stops them from doing that there's one Mm -hmm. for me that springs to mind which is vulnerability and that Mm -hmm. fear of being vulnerable so I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know your thoughts on that but also like what other 
key challenges are there that stop somebody from really leaning into controlling their emotions a little bit or influencing them more efficiently yeah yeah that's a really nice question so I think first on that first point of um of vulnerability and asking yourself why and and just like you're saying looking in the mirror and taking that back and kind of understanding what meaning and understand you're associating with being vulnerable because I think typically we have so often been taught that vulnerability is a weakness and expressing those said failures or disappointment is is wrong and that shouldn't be shouldn't be celebrated but just like we're doing with emotions like failures again or deemed failures are all a learning and all a essentially it's how your your interpretation of what that event or that failure is and what you're taking from it um so in terms of, sort of vulnerability it's like okay what's what's my intention behind this what is my intention of being vulnerable is and and doing that with a conscious kind of um influence or focus so taking that kind of I don't know half an hour or space yourself to think about that before you go into the action of being vulnerable with your team and thinking okay I'm doing this with the intention of xyz whether that be to reinforce trust to know that it's okay to make mistakes because then we can learn from that and move forward um and having that awareness between that intention and the kind of good motive behind it versus just complaining or just kind of sitting in it and playing the victim almost of being like oh it's so stressful there's everything like is against me and there's a very fine balance yeah go for it so glad you said that because vulnerability isn't you have to go and share your life story with everyone right and tell everybody your deepest deepest, darkest secrets it is like you said it's about being intentional it's being relatable and building that trust and saying hey listen like I'm human too I've also Mm -hmm. experienced some of the challenges maybe that you're experiencing right now or if not specifically you can have some kind of um like synergy with that person um because I think there's a lot of pressure out there and mixed messages for leaders right now around like being more empathetic and being more compassionate and then they're Mm -hmm. like I don't want to be their best friend and like yeah of course right (laughs) real and relatable and authentic I think that's really um so yeah I think that's a really really great point and it's it's great to distinguish the difference there so what other challenges Mm -hmm. Are you noticing perhaps uh, with those that are struggling to emotionally regulate or really stop and take that pause to be able to then move into those next steps? Yeah, I think it's for me, it's people often looking for almost that quick fix. I think like, hey, what should I do in the moment of when I feel this emotion? Like, what should I do there? But actually the the focus and almost like the work that you need to be looking at is kind of 180 or a few steps back from that and it's who you are as a person like first of all what else is going on how like I said with the body budget like how are you supporting yourself like are you slowing down and switching off at the weekend are you taking time to fill up your cup in different ways but a key way that I always like to work through with my clients is as a leader what is that to you and actually stopping and breaking that down into perhaps that be values or certain examples or certain emotions and feelings and how, what you want to create. And again, it's that intention. It's that conscious kind of, okay, stop, think, like, who am I showing up as here? And because I feel a lot of the leaders that I, I work with have been perhaps promoted or put in these positions sometimes without the support that they really want and really need. So they're brand new to perhaps leading a team or having influence over certain stakeholders that are out of their depth. And perhaps, yeah, the strategy is being supported of being like, yeah, I'll lead you in this way. But from the more personal, emotional side, this is where perhaps like the gap lies. And that, if you don't have that within the support within the workplace, that's okay. You can still take that ownership yourself and say, okay, who, who am I as a leader? Like, what, what do I want to show up as? Is, is empathy going to be my strength or is it something else? Because, and I think 
where women perhaps struggle, and I particularly see this in the Middle East, is that because there perhaps are less or fewer um, women in higher, higher roles and higher positions, naturally they're looking into other male leaders and they are embodying and showing different strengths so like oh I need to I need to be like them and show exactly the way that they lead and, and and do that for myself and that's that's where the the problems and the challenges lie because just like you're saying it's inauthentic it's to themselves of both who they are as a person but who they naturally can be as a leader you don't need to repeat the same thing especially yeah from from a man to a woman you're going to naturally have like different um characteristic and strengths that you want to lean into and so with that focusing on your yeah your leadership skills but also your strengths and acknowledging that these are the things I want to kind of grow and develop and being aware of your weaknesses and, and support and getting support from others with that so you don't need to be at all and that's where the emotional kind of pressure really comes to of being like, I need to be everything for everyone. No, you need to understand yourself enough to be able to communicate what your strengths and what who you want to be and lean into that and have ask for the support in other ways. Nice. I think it's, it's absolutely essential to repeat what you've said about mm. if you don't have the organisational support right now with where you are, you can still create that support within you and be your own support system sometimes that might feel lovely which is why they can reach out mm -hmm. to people like you and um, obviously specialize in this kind of work but also there'll be other people within the organization that are feeling the same way so yeah. how does an organization start to support their women in particular because that's who we've been speaking about today mm -hmm. um, or even men with emotional regulation what, what, how do they start? How do they start to build that in? I think just as you say, like other people are feeling that way and that needs to be open. It needs, the environment needs to be supported. So whether that be certain sessions focused around openness and trust and communication of what's going on, or even just instilling that in your, your kind of team, team meetings, ensuring that these topics are are made are made visible and kind of heard and questioning and making space to check in with how each other's feeling in an open environment and it's because like we're saying like everything that we ignore and suppress doesn't go away like it's it's there it manifests so just bringing it to the table so as as a leader showing that showing that vulnerability it's both vulnerability and strength it's kind of okay I'm going to be vulnerable and share what I felt difficult in the last couple of weeks and what else have you guys found difficult and then knowing how we can use that as a strength as a team together so there I think the key is around like connection and it's the environment and it doesn't need to be I think what I always try to encourage with any sort of change or any sort of um, move into a different way of responding is those tiny, tiny little steps. That's what really builds into a whole new culture, a whole new way of being, a whole new feeling. So starting small in that, in that conversation and bringing the awareness and, and checking in and asking those questions is, is the very first place I would start. Nice, perfect. And yeah, it's, it's essential, right? It's to start opening the conversations. And it doesn't mean you, you have to be your team's therapist. It just means that you have to really want to know the answer when you say, how are you? Um, I think yeah. that's a really, really good start. Something that mm. came quite common, um, particularly during the pandemic, was the, the check-in, right? Almost like the little wellness check before every meeting or the start of every meeting, going around yeah. actually sharing how you're feeling. And it'd be so mm. easy or somebody that's listened to this episode to perhaps go and look up that emotion chart, put it on the wall in the office um, or bring it up if they're on a remote call with their team um, and just get people to pinpoint. Maybe they'll offer to share it. Maybe they won't give them the option. And But it's yeah. a starting point And it's something that the more we can start to speak about emotions, 
and again not the hours and hours a day you know but just these small little check-in moments it start it interrupts that pattern of everything building up and from there yeah. you get to know your teams better you get to know each other better um and that safety is created and that trust is created which then obviously unlocks pandora's box for so many more um like great creative solutions to whatever you're working on whatever that looks like mm-hmm. Lizzie, you've been working in the Middle East for a while. I'm curious to know if you've seen any unique cultural or regional factors that are affecting emotional regulation and confidence in the workplace. Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to think. So... I don't know what do you have any things in mind or any examples from your side and then I might read your thing from there yeah for sure so one of the things um that we've noticed is and yeah. we, through some of our surveys that we do we get start to understand mm. different demographics and when it comes to emotions one of the things we've seen is actually a high amount of resentment mm. for, for certain cultures within companies uh, and also yeah. bigger companies, but there's like certain nationalities get certain promotions or they get put into roles, perhaps they're not ready for just because um, they're from a certain place or they speak a certain language. And obviously this has got a lot to do with diversity and inclusion rather than the confidence mm-hmm. like piece and the emotion piece. But there's so much emotion attached to that that I'm just curious mm-hmm. if there's anything in particular that you have seen or, or anything, any examples that you've noticed that have been approach really really well by a company or perhaps what you would do if you had let's say the 20 women in a workshop that you described last week um and there was some resentment showing up mm-hmm. due to some of these unique differences like how would you deal with that what would you say to perhaps anybody listening that could be dealing with that yeah I think that's for me that feels quite like complex question because yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on there in sort of terms of diversity and inclusion and I guess what it comes back to is your own personal bias and your own personal kind of viewpoint of the situation so naturally there might be resentment because quite honestly there will be a level of bias and that people are being hired or promoted or kind of given more focus because of things that you don't agree with and it might be down to that that cultural differences um, and and bringing I guess bringing emotions into that is is navigating and choosing what you want to invest your energy into almost so I guess one is bringing compassion and understanding that just because you have a level of awareness that this this is happening doesn't necessarily mean the other person is so approaching with with compassion and understanding because what emotions always comes back to is how you are reacting and responding you can't control the other people and quite honestly there are going to be levels of yeah frustration and disappointment that you will experience because of the situations in front of you however separating yourself from that situation and saying actually what what do I want to have a voice in what do I want to almost choose to take home with me and what choose to feel and it might sound cold but it's almost like you need to have that separation and saying I'm not gonna let myself get lost in this narrative in this kind of disagreement or um situation because I'm protecting my own energy reserves and I'm protecting my own emotions um and I think that's a level of almost like resilience comes into it in there's obviously so so much good and love in the world but there's also so much bad there's really really challenging situations and how you move through that and navigate it within yourself is all about a choice um so coming back to like the workplace in those situations um 
thinking of that bigger picture of being like, who am I? What is my purpose within this organization, within my career kind of whole trajectory? Um, and separating yourself from from those situations. Yeah, I think it's paramount, isn't it? Because you know, politics is everywhere, right? And it's rife in the workplaces. There's all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think sometimes you definitely have to remove yourself to be reflective before you can mm. if efficiently express yourself. Um, yeah. because otherwise you end up getting into something that perhaps you didn't even want to get into you know but you got into yeah. it your colleague was complaining about the same thing and actually right now already you're failing to do that step that you mentioned and that's to te- step back separate yourself and look at who you are first because I think it's mm-hmm. so important to speak up for what we believe in and obviously to mm-hmm. strive for uh, you know equality and things like that whatever the politics that's happening in that workplace I think it's just really important that it's coming from a place of clarity and understanding rather than from a place of resentment or fear that this person's going to get that or experience that and I'm not and lack mindset and things like that there's so many things like that are pointing to that wisdom that lays inside the emotion right Mm. and if we're failing to do that you'll get you'll get sucked into it um Mm -hmm. And these aren't necessarily just cultural differences. You know, like I said, this could be any kind of office politics. But often one of the things that leaders also share with us is that, you know, they're they're sick of it. They're sick of teams playing games. They're sick of it. And we've got like perhaps some of the more mid to senior level managers that are sandwiched between the two. They know there's politics Mm -hmm. going on in that um, like uh, super senior team and then like below them there's also drama going on and then it's like they're stuck in the middle and they're just this exhausting um Mm -hmm. taking a step back and really just addressing your own feelings about the situation and perspective and narrative you're attaching to it is otherwise Mm -hmm. again fast track to burnout to not enjoying your job to being unfulfilled to being disengaged right and then yeah another conversation (laughs) absolutely (laughs) Lizzie, is there anything else um, that we haven't mentioned that our listeners must hear when it comes to emotional regulation and confidence in the workplace? Anything you else need to hear? Um, I would just say that my learnings and the work that I do comes from this place of power. And I think that's what's so key to kind of reinforce um the message here in that I think emotions or being emotional often has yeah like negative connotations to it and it's something we're not taught from a young age it's not we're often not taught of how to deal with our emotions or or work through them and leaning into that and taking that space to start to understand yourself understand what you're feeling name it moving through that like the tiny little steps that make you feel good like it makes it comes from a place of power and I think what a lot of the conversations that we've had today are really around that that kind of that middle space that action of like moving from one kind of response to another like what changes can you do but moving that focus purely down to the outcome and by outcome is the things that I have mentioned with those really nice examples of when you shift your emotional state and your response what what are the benefits there and that's what is really key it's it affects everything it affects your your health your and by health I mean mental health as well as physical health it affects your sleep and but then it affects like who you are as a person, who you as a partner to, and that support system to your loved ones around you. Have you got space to be creative both within the workspace and outward? Like it's, it it really is for me, I'm so passionate about it because it's the foundation. It's the foundations for having that confidence, strength and power in who you are capable of being and yeah, once we break it down and really simplify it, and that's what I really try to kind of emulate in my work, that once we simplify it and say, hey, like if we start with these few steps and then we move into these few steps and just build them into your natural um, kind of day-to-day actions, then see the the kind of ripple effect that that has, 
you can shift your whole life and your whole being so, so quickly. Um, and that's the results that I often see from, from the clients that I work with. And there's, there's um, a client that I have in mind that I worked with for, for three months and, and um, a lot around this emotional regulation and, and using her voice and building that confidence. And she navigated from uh, a, high, a senior role that she was in at the time into kind of a, a move across the company because that was what she kind of communicated. We stopped working together. And then within six months later, she's moved to Barcelona. She's like living this fulfilled life because she, and then even then she was being promoted yet further in this new role. And it's because she has the, the foundations, the solid foundations that take you through life. And that's both within the workspace, but obviously into your personal life as well. And that's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's important work. And I could speak about it all day, but I'm passionate of being like, set those foundations for success and you'll live a healthier, happier life. It is, it is. I, I echo that passion as well. And the, the, those results, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of like a drop in the ocean because there's so many more stories like that, aren't there? And yeah. everything we do, we do it because of emotion, right? So yeah. if not regulating our emotions or know how or paying attention to them perhaps in a way that's going to make our life that little bit sweeter then we're missing out yeah. as far as I'm concerned mm-hmm. I don't think that mm-hmm. we have to miss out you know like we said emotions you know are the be all and end all they're why we do everything that we do they're why we don't do everything that we want to do um yeah. it's it's absolutely necessary and on that point you've actually got um the emotion toolbox um which is yes. a, a program that you're giving away to any of our listeners today right yeah exactly yeah it's um it's a really nice 10 day super simple step-by-step uh program to start from scratch i think like okay don't know anything about emotions i'm feeling a lot (laughs) at work and moving through that and building up those tools day by day and incorporating them both into like self-reflection practices but yeah kind of practical things you can do in the moment um to essentially help you feel confident comfortable and self-assured uh, both within work and then also out as well I love it amazing yeah. so Lizzie the question that I ask every guest that we have on this podcast is that for every listen this podcast gets a donation is obviously made towards the 2030 UN sustainable goals um, yeah. and you have chosen to support the cause of zero hunger so mm. why have you chosen for zero hunger for me it's it's yeah it's such a fundamental for life that to have the energy within your body to do the best to succeed and yeah for me it it, it's no question of course there's so many other causes but uh I always reflect back to children and if children are hungry and they can't have that energy and that capacity to learn and to receive information at that stage then yeah, we're not setting them up for success. So yeah, it, it, I'm even getting like tingles when I'm feeling about that. And like, it means so much to to support people in that way. That's right. And to go back to what you were saying earlier in this episode around like our body battery, you know, mm. we all know what it's like when we, we're hungry, right? And we're not starving. Yeah. You know, anybody listening to this podcast, we, we are absolutely privileged to have the internet, to be able to have the time to listen to a podcast. However you're listening mm-hmm. to, you know you can clearly afford um food and we mm. get so hangry right um, <laughs> yeah. we don't uh, we don't have what we need so there, there's like so many people that are out there suffering in ways that we cannot even imagine and just yeah. by you simply listening to this episode you're already making a difference on that so thank you lizzie for choosing that as your cause um anybody listening to this please obviously share it with anybody that you feel will benefit from it um, because the more listens this episode gets, the more donations go towards that cause as well. And hopefully we start to raise the ability to emotionally regu- regulate um, as a society as well. That, that's the goal here. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there step by step. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was wonderful. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. 
Today's episode was hosted by myself, Charlotte Stebbing-Mills, the co-founder of The Wellness Theory. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and share with someone who may benefit and be part of our mission to help people realize when they're healthy and well, they can be a force for good in the world. I just wanted to share some more about our partner, B1G1. B1G1 is a global movement that enables businesses to incorporate effective impact creation into their everyday activities in a simple and powerful way. Through B1G1, businesses can choose from a wide range of verified projects around the world and integrate these impacts into their business operations. The core concept of B1G1 is that every business transaction or interaction can be directly linked to making a positive impact in our world. Whether it's providing access to clean water, supporting education, planting trees or addressing social issues, B1G1 enables businesses of all types to make a real difference. To find out more about them, visit their website at b1g1.com. Until next time, be well, mean well, and make a difference that lasts. See you in the next episode.